0: Sam and Joyce Latta, and uh, we've been missionaries since we were kids uh, actually when I got serious about this girl I asked her would you ever think about going to Africa that was important to me she said yeah she won't go to Africa all her life so we went <laughs> <clears throat> we first went to Liberia and uh, served a term there we brought the church out of the bush into the capital city the thing that really triggered triggered my calling uh, for Liberia is Sister Pauline Grues was at a little storefront church my father pastored in Moline, Illinois and she showed us pictures of uh, a place called Fasama. and we realized that <clears throat> that was the hub of our work, that in a place called Bummy Hill, uh, where the Langhams were, also had a school. And then <clears throat> we could only take the students to the 8th grade, and they had to go to the Monrovia, the capital city, uh, to finish their education. And we lose them. No church there, no nothing. <clears throat> and that bothered me. That really bothered me. And I thought, boy, it's like we're pouring money down a rat hole in Liberia. So I put a big thermometer on the wall, and got some numbers together, figured I could build a church for $10,000, Then you could. And I started raising money for a building in Monrovia to bring the church to the capital city and stop losing all of these people. Well, <clears throat> I raised the money. I sent the money to headquarters. And we started praying for someone to go to Monrovia, didn't have the wildest notion it would ever be us. Everywhere I'd go, I'd request in prayer for someone to go and take the work in Monrovia, bring it out of the bush and establish a beachhead in the capital city. <clears throat> Finally, a friend of mine with a Frank Muncie approached me after a conference meeting or some kind of meeting. He said, Latta, man, you're driving us all nuts. Why don't you either do the will of God and obey God or shut up? We're sick and tired of here in Monrovia, Liberia. Why don't you go there and do what God's called you to do? I mean, it hit me like a bolt of lightning. I never ever considered it even. I thought they would never appoint me. I'm just, I'm just a kid. I'm just young. Well, we, <clears throat> make a long story short, we met the board. I put a lot of prayer into it. I said, God, I I don't want to waste my time going and talking to these brethren and then be turned down. And if I'm going to do it, I want to do it now. I know they always tell you, come back next year, come back next year, make sure your call is real. I knew my call. We were appointed. And at that time, it's my understanding that we were the youngest missionary ever appointed at that time by the United Pentecostal Church. We went to Liberia, and we had to take Brother Bill Couples' place back up in the bush to a little place called Fasama, 65 miles from the nearest motor road. And I flew the plane, supplied the missions and whatever we needed to do, and after the Williams family, the Basil Williams family arrived and got established at Fasama, we moved to the capital city of Monrovia and established and built a beachhead church that is thriving today. We started it in our home. <clears throat> and that church today is running over 700. And it is one of several churches there in that capital city today. And in the country, I understand we're running over 20,000 membership in Liberia. But that was the beginning of it all, and God allowed us to have a part in it.
1: And the president of Liberia, lady, goes to our church. And And two
0: senators as well.
1: Our church stood through the war, and then all the other missions were destroyed. That church stood, thank God for that, because they were chased out of the villages, and they ended up there. From 65 to 69, and during that time he flew into Ghana and Nigeria and got our churches open there.
0: We got our churches going in <laughs> Ghana and Nigeria, prepared the way for Brother Rodenbush to come to uh, Ghana and also Johnny Garrison. Sorry, huh?
1: Pastor six and a half years. Then God called us to Zimbabwe in the middle of a war. So, go ahead.
0: Yes, we had uh, <clears throat> the Freemans for a foreign missionary service. And we loved Brother and Sister Freeman so very much. And of course, like good Pentecostals, we had them over after church and we are eating uh, away through a pile of food. And I uh, asked Sister Freeman, I saw her talk to him during church, and he shook his head. And so I said, Sister Freeman, why don't you tell me what God told you on the platform there during the service? And she looked at him, and he said, go ahead. And she said, you know, Brother said we felt so strongly impressed that God could use you in Rhodesia at this time. I said, give me just a minute. I got up, I went into my office, and I came back with a book and laid down in front of her, The Jewel of Africa all about Rhodesia we had been studying had been praying I said this is the will of God I can do a work in Rhodesia and of course war was raging there everybody's pulling out of Rhodesia and it's time for us to go pastors made fun of us pastors put us down said we'll support you but we think you're crazy And one pastor had really given me the gears one night and I thought, God, have I missed you? Am I out of my mind? Am I really doing what you want me to do? And the Lord gave my wife a verse of scripture sitting on the front pew. And she said, God, if this is you, give this verse to my husband there on the platform. And when I was introduced uh, and the pastor made some remark about uh, how bad it was for us to take our teenage boys in that war zone, I stood up and I began to quote that verse of scripture that God had given to her. And it was, he that observeth the wind will not sow, and he that observeth the clouds shall not reap. And I said, thank you, God. I'm all right now, I won't ever doubt again. We went ahead, we raised our budget. We went to Rhodesia, which was in the war. In the first year, we had organized seven churches. We were running over a thousand in all of these units together. And God had given us a wonderful piece of property right on the main thoroughfare. And I started building New Life Temple and I built one of the most beautiful churches on the continent of Africa and it's still there, still thriving, still seeing people filled with the Holy Ghost and I bought a campground uh, at Kwikwe, dead center of the country and I was so excited about that campground because everywhere I looked I saw banded jasper on the ground I didn't say anything to anybody but I know what banded jasper means and they usually find gold in the presence of banded jasper. So I said we've got to have this property. We bought 65 acres and I built the Zimbabwe United Pentecostal Conference ground there. I built a a tabernacle that would seat about 1,200 people and we named it Elam Tabernacle and the place of 12 springs in the Bible and that's what it became. People come there, we had some of the best services there that I've ever been in in my whole life. I'm talking general conference camp meeting, (laughs) bar none, none was ever better than what we had there. I was invited back just a few years ago, and then three nights we had 78 get the Holy Ghost on that old campground, even though the war scarred the country, and their money is worth nothing, and people are really starving, the gospel is going forward in Zimbabwe today. And
1: you built Peace Tabernacle, another church.
0: Yes, I also (laughs) built another church. It was St. Mary's Chiringuiza. those names that you forget, I forget, uh, and we built a beautiful church there. When we went there and opened that work, we were meeting under a piece of canvas that we had wires through the eyes and would tie them up to tree branches and her to block the sun, but well, we built that beautiful church in Chetanguiza and it's running over 500 and uh, Pastor Chalanga has done such a tremendous work there in St. Mary's Chiranguizas.
1: Yes, our daughter just got married, and we took those sons with us. We're so excited. We raised our support in nine months. They were such a wonderful blessing. Alan preached. Marvin played the guitar. Regan was the driver of the bus to bring people to church. He had somebody get the Holy Ghost on the bus one time. So after two terms there, we actually came home pastored a church in Atlanta, and later on God called us back overseas to do international evangelism, teach leadership training to national pastors for 11 years, when honey? Yes. We traveled all over the world.
0: We've seen the lame walk. We've seen dead raised to life again. A baby that had been dead three days carried on its mother's back. We carried the brethren around the table, laid hands on it, and the child began to scream and cry as life came back in. And that was in Liberia, in Zimbabwe, just miracle after miracle. We bought a beautiful home with a swimming pool, the people leaving the country just giving their property away to get rid of it, and we baptized people in that pool every week. It was amazing to us how that work just continued to mushroom and grow.
1: Those people were Muslim, Anglican, and Catholic, praying for God to send somebody to help them. They we were having ladies' prayer meetings. The Lord led us right to that prayer meeting. That's where the church started.
0: That's where it began, yes.
1: But the leadership training around the world is the joy of our lives. And all over India, Africa, Asia.
0: In my lifetime, God has allowed to build 13 churches, and all of them debt free. Thank
1: God.